And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senores y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you live again. It's March 9th, Tuesday. Super excited to be here with you. It is season four, episode seven. I'm your host, as always, at Rob G1063. Robbie Gutierrez here with you and excited for another week, our seventh episode, seven straight weeks of NAI baseball, and it is going to be another great one. Before anything else, let's get into what we've got in store for this show. Of course, we've got our shout-outs and mentions like we do every single week. We're going to take you back through some of the best series of last weekend with our Best of the Week Week in Review. Discussion. This has been such a growing part of our show and it is going to be awesome this week. We've got under the radar stars. We're going to talk, just hit on really quickly that there is a top 25 poll coming out next week in the NAI coaches poll. And then we're going to talk postseason format. And that will get interesting. The NAI ball podcast hitter and pitcher of the week segment, as always. We're going to talk games and series that you at home need to be watching and paying attention to all across the nation. And then our big series of the week. It is going to be fantastic. I am super excited about it. But before we get into that, we have to thank our sponsor, Silverback Sports, the official sponsor of the NAI Ball podcast. For the last three seasons, Silverback Sports has sponsored the NAI Ball podcast. We are super grateful to them. We are super thankful to them. They have donated product to me to give to local high schools down here in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. Uh, I could not thank them enough. And of course, to Ben Real. But you have to follow them. We have to help them out at ShopSilverback and ShopSilverback.com. Go give the website a look right now. Hit them up on social media. Give them a follow at ShopSilverback and ShopSilverback.com. Affordable arm care and training equipment for everyone. Durable, affordable. It's some of the best in the game. ShopSilverback, Silverback Sports, ShopSilverback.com. Do us a favor here at the NAI Ball Podcast and check it out. And then once you're done with that, head on over to iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcasts from, and go ahead and download this episode and every single episode of the NAI Ball Podcast. It does us a ton to know that y'all are out there doing that. We appreciate those of you who listen week in, week out, listen to old shows, You know whether you're on the drive, whether you're on the mower, heading out to a game on the bus, wherever you are, we are super thankful to all of our listeners around the nation. And trust me, we see you around the nation and internationally as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the NAI Ball Podcast. Before we get into it, we have to bring in the man himself, the foremost authority on NAI Baseball, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, baby, what's going on today? Oh, you know, man, just watching an NAI beat up on a D2 again, the theme of the weekend so far. How are you, buddy? Are we watching the same game right now? I just finished watching McPherson and Sterling, and let me tell you right, right now, that that wild ending. Uh, McPherson had a runner on third with nobody out. They had a punch out on a very questionable strike call, but it was a punch out nonetheless. The guy behind the plate makes the rules. Punch out. Then they had a pop-up in foul territory that the pitcher ended up snow coning after. I think the catcher fell or uh, might have misjudged it. Not real sure because the camera angle. But the pitcher ends up catching for a snow cone. Uh, they end up issuing a free pass, an intentional walk, and then an infield single on what was an extremely bang-bang play. Ends it. McPherson gets the win over Sterling in a great game. But right now, I've got Westmont and Azusa Pacific on. 
Oh, yeah, man. It's the same one for me. I'm watching Westmont, you know, put on against the number 15 D2 team in the country. Absolutely. They got a runner in scoring position right now as well. So we will be keeping an eye on that as the show goes on. But let's get into it with our shout outs and mentions. First and foremost, we want to start on a little bit of a somber note, but we would like to give our thoughts and prayers with former NAI player and grad assistant Josh Oakley, who passed away last week. Josh was somebody. Cody, that interacted with our show, that was a follower of not just myself, but you as well, and uh, was in the Kansas Curve organization. And we would just like to give our thoughts and prayers to Josh's family, anybody who played with him, you know, worked with him at any point, his players in the organization of the Kansas Curve. Just know that, you know, our our thoughts and prayers are are with y'all. And we never like to see anybody go early, and uh, we are we are extremely sad to to have to say that Josh has moved on to the next life. So, uh, our thoughts and prayers are are with him and his family. As we go deeper into our shoutouts and mentions here, we kick things off with Columbia head baseball coach Darren Munns wins his five hundredth career game on Sunday in a five four victory over Morningside. Got to give a quick shout out to Connor Darnell, the intern for the NAI Ball Podcast, who is doing a fantastic job on our side of things. But he also closed the door, picked up his second save of the season, and made sure his coach got his 500th career win. Shout out to intern Connor. Briarcliff University head baseball coach Corby McLaughlin picked up a career win number 100 after a doubleheader sweep over Waldorf on Saturday. Alice Lloyd head baseball coach Scott Cornett grabbed win number 600 on Monday. Eastern Oregon won their first intercollegiate baseball game since 2006 in a 2-0 victory over College of Idaho. Nick Jennings went nine innings pitch, no runs, 10 strikeouts in the win. Southeastern leadoff man Anthony Carrera hit three home runs and set a program record with nine RBIs in the 14-0 win over Division II Saginaw Valley State. Ohio Christian's Daniel Brenneman broke a school record with 14 Ks against Brescia in a seven-inning complete game shutout. Benedictine shortstop Daryl Myers is a wild man, absolutely on fire. Five for five, two doubles, five RBIs in the win over Dakota Wesleyan. He's hitting now 603.603 through 58 at-bats. This is a man that started 12 for 12 this season. He has absolutely caught fire throughout the whole year. We hope he keeps going. St. Andrews starting pitcher Davis O'Brien threw a a nine-inning complete game shutout with 10 strikeouts in the conference win over Columbia International. Southwestern center fielder Cody Carpenter had five hits, including a double and a home run in the win over Sterling. The Builders take two of three in the KCAC series against them. Morningside designated hitter Jordan Pierce set a 2021 game high with five walks on Monday. And then Vanguard won the series, I mean, and probably the biggest series overall, the biggest win overall this past weekend over NCAA Division II, number nine, Point Loma, three games to one. Cody, what stands out to you? I know we'll get to Vanguard in a moment, but really what stands out to you this week? Well, we had some coaching milestones, man. I mean, just anytime we get these big coaching milestones like we got, that's pretty impressive stuff. And uh, I was really blown away. I saw the uh, box score for Morningside. I mean, you have a DH, you'd go in there looking to hit a couple home runs on the day, and you draw five walks. I mean, talk about Eagle Vision, and it's just good stuff, man. Obviously, you have patience, and I respect you for that. How about Dort, really quickly? I know 
you know, they're not on this list, but we have to mention Dort. I mean, they beat Saginaw Valley State yesterday, uh, Division II team, and then they beat Warner today. A couple of big wins on the road in Florida for Dort. Yeah, man, Dort's looking good. Shout out to their uh, center fielder, John Emerson. He's actually on a 12 for 15 run at the plate. He had nine consecutive hits uh, this week, so he's been really good for Dort. Shout out to him. And lastly, you know, when when we talk shout outs and mentions here, Vanguard winning the series over NCAA Division II number nine point Loma three games to one. I mean, Vanguard just an absolutely dominant job. They have looked really, really good. They made my top eight, which we announced last week. Uh, they're a team that has been solid. We we figure, you know, we feel not figure, but we feel like they're the best team out west right now. Even though the GSAC can be such a dog eat dog conference. We feel like Vanguard is the best team out West right now. And they've got a really good opportunity to do something big here. Yeah. I mean, I felt comfortable. I think they're the number four team in the country right now. Like if I was ranking my own top five, I have them number four. I mean, you're 17 and three. They have a couple of games with San Diego Christian this weekend. If they go on and sweep that, I mean, you're looking at a team that's going to be 21 and three entering the top 25 next week. I mean, they've just been incredible and just the way they do it. They're so good on the mound. They're so good offensively. They're a real complete team. And, yeah, like normally every year, Cheesehack's dog-eat-dog. But, man, I mean, if they go out there in a couple of weeks, not this week, but next week, and, you know, they take that series over Westmont, I I mean, I don't know who's going to catch them. It'll be really, really interesting to watch. The GSAC is one of those conferences that you're watching from the first day to the last because it's usually so tight. It's usually really, really close. Uh, Rob Pegg and his team out there are definitely doing some big things with Vanguard. Let's take a look at our week in review. We'll kick it off, Cody, with, with what was our big series of the week. Asbury wins a series 2-1 to one in a three-game series against Point Park. They lost game one 4-2, but they come out the next day and win games 2-3 and three by scores of 3-0, three 3-0. Nothing, three nothing. I mean, just what a huge moment for Asbury. I mean, to just be put on the national stage, like, you know, all eyes on you. And, you know, this is a team that we talked about last week. They were 4-25 and against Point Park. Uh, they have not won a series against them since 2012. And just, I mean, incredible. To lose the game one, you have to sleep on that, knowing, hey, we dropped this opener at home. Uh, we got to bounce back tomorrow. And they absolutely did. Back-to-back shutouts. Just really incredible stuff. Alec Lush and Jackson Cole, they combined for nine scoreless innings in game two. Uh, they were able to tack on a run in 6th, 7th, and 8th, win that game 3 nothing. And then Tyler Morrison, I mean, he has been sensational this season. Series on the line, game 3. He goes 7 innings, 3 hits, no runs, no walks. Picks up the series win. What a big series win for Asbury. I mean, this is a team that they really believe that they could win the River States Conference this year. And this is the way you got to do it. It goes through Point Park. It goes through IU Southeast. And they got through the first one. So, I mean, really good for Asbury. A huge series win in the NAI Ball Podcast, big series of the week for Asbury over Point Park. Our other big series of the week was Brian and Reinhardt, and Brian takes two of three against Reinhardt. Those scores three to one in favor of Brian, a 12 nothing loss, and then they bounce back in game number three to win nine to one. Cody, man, the Appalachian Athletic Conference, it feels right now like it's Tennessee Wesleyan and everybody else, but that second spot is going to be so big, and Brian takes a controlling point in that with a 5-1 and one conference record. Of course, incidentally enough, point right behind them at 4-2, and two, but a huge and a huge series win for Brian. 
Yeah, man, big weekend for Brian. Like we mentioned last week, they felt that they were the number two behind Tennessee Wesleyan, and, you know, they weren't ranked that to go into this year. Reinhardt was the team selected number two, and uh, Brian went on the road to Georgia, and they picked up the series win. Joseph Cuomo was an absolute dog on Friday night. Went seven innings, one earned with eight strikeouts. Uh, he's just been one of the better pitchers the last couple of years, so really no surprise there. Darwin Gregg hit a home run in game one. Uh, game two was all Reinhardt, 12 nothing as you said. Ethan Foley threw a two-hit shutout. Really good pitching performance by him. Uh, Xavier Arnett for the Eagles, he went three for three with a home run and five RBIs. And then kind of like we mentioned with Point Park Asbury, you got a series that's 1-1 going into game three, which is obviously a conference series. It's a big game, and it was all Brian. I mean, they just scored early and often. They scored two runs in the first, two runs in the second. They controlled it throughout. Darwin Gregg, we mentioned a minute ago, he hit another home run in the series. Sean Bracamontes, the catcher, he homered. Just a big series for Brian. I mean, to me, they submit themselves right now as the number two team in that conference. It, it's definitely a huge win for Brian. I mean, w- when you look at it overall, it's one of those things that, you know, you set yourself up for a big series down the road with, with Tennessee Wesleyan. But, you know, Brian, just absolutely a huge job. Those rubber matches in that confer- in those conference series, no matter what conference you're in, become absolutely paramount. And so just a, a really good job by Brian. Moving out west, we were just talking about the GSAC. We were talking about Westmont earlier. Hope International sweeps Westmont. Hope International sweeps Westmont in a big one for them by scores of 16-13, to 5-4, and 11-5. Cody, give me your thoughts. I mean, just absolutely monster offensive performance. 47 runs in four games for Hope International. I mean, I think offensively, they just kind of overwhelmed him. Uh, Brendan McKenzie has been incredible all year. He had a home run and five RBIs in game one. Tony Monroy has been another incredible player for them. He had a pair of three-hit games in the series. Uh, Izzy Fuentes, the Faulkner transfer, six innings pitch, one earned run, 12 strikeouts. He was dominant in game two. I mean, this is just another great weekend for Open International. They dropped the series to Vanguard a couple of weeks ago, three games to one. And since then, they've won eight straight now. Our final series that we're going to review this week is Kansas Wesleyan versus Friends. Friends started out the season really hot, but they are 1-3 and three in KCAC play, especially after dropping 2-3 of three to Kansas Wesleyan. Kansas Wesleyan, with a big series win in the KCAC, keeps them in the race 3-1, and 9-7 and seven overall as of Tuesday, March 9th uh, at 5, 5.55 p.m. 6-3, six, 6-3 three, six, three wins for Kansas, Kansas Wesleyan, and then an 8-4 loss in game number three. Cody, the KCAC is going to be one of those conferences that's going to be way too close to call at this moment. Yeah, I mean, they're really starting to turn into like a little GSAC, aren't they? It's super yeah. competitive, man. Uh, Trent Duyer set the tone for them. He went six innings pitch, one earned six Ks in the opener. Trey Lopez had a two-for-four day, an RBI, and a double in game one. But, man, Trey Lopez went off in game two, two home runs in game two, had another double, three-hit day. Caden Sitzman threw 6.2 innings. Two run runs, eight Ks. Uh, that's actually the first time all year both Benny De Los Santos or Zach Timchenko, uh, the friends one two punch, they're one and two for friends, have lost this season. So they were able to give Dimchenko his first loss of the season. And then the very next day, they gave Valeni his first loss of the season. So just really impressive stuff for Kansas Wesleyan. I mean, I was just really impressed with them this weekend. In the KCAC, Cody, they're, they're not in this series, but Kansas West, or excuse me, Oklahoma Wesleyan, very quiet 13 and two. To start the season, I mean they're one and zero in in conference play, uh, but they hold some good wins in the in conference play. That win is against friends. 
And, uh, you know, their two losses, they lost, they dropped one Our Lady Lake, one to Southwest, Southwestern Christian in Oklahoma, but everybody else they've, they've gone on and, and beaten. They've got wins over Lyon, uh, wins over Our Lady Lake, Southwestern Christian, Peru State, uh, Mid-American Nazarene. And they were supposed to play Oklahoma City today. I don't know if that actually happened yeah. or not. Yeah, they beat them. They beat them. They beat them. Well, there you go. Yeah, after a rough start last year, too. Remember we were talking about it, Oklahoma Wesleyan, to have the start they had last year was – you know, kind of bizarre for us is we're known for them to be in just a perennial power. And uh, yeah, they have bounced back incredibly well in 2021. We have definitely taken notice. Yeah. They're 14 and two. They beat OCU today. And yeah, I mean, they look like the Oklahoma Wesleyan of old. Absolutely. And and there's a team that, that you're going to have to keep an eye on down the road here. And as we get closer and closer to our rankings and, and discussion, and we'll be going over that of course, uh, next week, by the time the podcast comes out next week, Cody, we won't have a top 25 rankings yet, but we will go over the conference ratings, which is how you determine the top 25. And one of the things we'll explain now is, as you know, we'll get to our under, under the radar stars here in a minute. But when it comes to the top 25, just going back to the KCAC, if Oklahoma Wesleyan's rated one, let's just, you know, use an example. If they're rated one and McPherson's rated two, McPherson cannot be higher than Oklahoma Wesleyan in the poll. You have to follow that conference rating system as well. So I think it's going to be a, a really interesting one. Again, when those ratings come out on Wednesday, when this podcast this podcast will come out, then later that afternoon, or our national rankings will come out from the NAI coaches poll next week. And we will have all of that for you, an entire breakdown Wednesday, all of that via Instagram live Uh, since Periscope shut down, we are moving all of our live content rankings, selection shows, everything Uh, postseason nightly chats. When we get to uh, the, the opening round tournament conference tournaments, and of course, world series chats, all of that moving to Instagram live. But Cody, I mean, I, I definitely think that there's going to be really interesting. And I think that a lot of people don't know that when we break down those Top twenty-five conference ratings next week. You cannot be ranked higher than another team if you're if you're ranked two. You can't be higher than the one team. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, it took me a couple of years to figure that out as well. So I feel like uh, the casual NAI baseball fan probably does not understand that. And I mean, it definitely plays a role, and that's why we were so big on the Brian Reinhardt series because it matters for national rankings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it matters for your top twenty-five spot. And honestly, like this plays a role in an at-large berth down the road, possibly, right? So, I mean, this all matters. Like it all plays a role into May. It, it matters a ton. And I think now with Brian winning that series, I think at the Appalachian Athletic Conference next week, you're going to see Tennessee Wesleyan one, Brian two. Would you would you agree with that? I mean, it's going to be kind of yeah. a toss-up for, for three at this point because there's a lot of different ways you can go. Yeah, I would still keep Reinhardt three. I wouldn't punish Reinhardt for playing Tennessee. I mean, look at Reinhardt. They played the top two teams in the conference. So, I mean, I would not punish Reinhardt for that. But, yeah, I would keep Tennessee Wesleyan one and then Brian two. So it'll definitely be interesting because there are a lot of conferences who have yet to start conference series, a lot of conferences who, you know, uh, aren't going to be playing conference games till a little bit later down the road. And then there's conferences who have already started playing. You look at the Crossroads, they've started playing. Uh, the KCAC has begun. The Mid-South has begun their conference play. The Red River – or, excuse me, the River States has begun their play. Sun Conference, I mean, Weber International is like nine games in already, along with Kaiser, into that Sun Conference season. And it's going to be really interesting on how you rate these teams because in the Sun Conference, obviously, Southeastern at 22-1 and one is going to be the number one team, I would imagine, next week. But then 
I mean, it's an absolute toss-up for two. St. Thomas is six and three, sitting at third currently in the conference standings, twelve and seven. Weber International has made a full turnaround from a really slow start to the season. They're seven and two with a series win over conference foe Kaiser. Kaiser's seventeen and four, but five and four in the conference ratings. So it's going to be really interesting. And there's no way, Cody, there is no way any single conference gets four teams in. No, there's not. Because if it was going to happen, it would have happened a couple of years ago, right, with Warner. I agree with that, man. I think I would put Weber as the number two team in the Sun Conference right now. They've, you know, like I said, they had kind of a rough opening to the season. But, man, they've really turned it around of late. I mean, they took the series over Kaiser, which was huge for them. They've played really well. They got a win over Bellevue the other night. Weber's actually playing really well. And I think it just speaks to how deep this conference is. Man, it's a really good conference. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, they started one and three pretty much, you know, or one and two, two and three overall. And then they just totally bounced back. And they, they've lost some games that they shouldn't have lost. But at the same time, they're riding a big time, I want to say, um, seven, eight game win streak. And they've got Division Two Wayne State tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night so that'll be really interesting a double header starting at four and seven for colin martin's team uh, i'm really interested to see that but then after that this this weekend or excuse me next weekend after they play a, a game with kaiser in a midweek non-conference midweek game they're going to play southeastern so a lot going on in the sun conference it is of course one of the best baseball conferences outside of division one not just in the nai you know you know my thoughts on on that but it is just one of the best baseball conferences there is, I think, in the nation. So I'm really excited to see that. Cody, under the radar stars, we've got three hitters, three pitchers each. So we are going to highlight a total of 12 players that we either have not talked a lot about or have not talked at all about. And for some of these teams, it's going to be the first mention on the show, some of them ever. I don't know if we've ever mentioned Oakland City. So it's going to be a totally new experience. Who are your three hitters that are under the radar stars right now in the NAI? Well, leading off, it's Ottawa first baseman Ryland Kratzenberg. I mean, the guy's an elite hitter. He was a serious candidate for all NAI ball last season. Through 39 games in the NAI, he's hitting 452 with 15 home runs and 54 RBIs. I mean, the guy's a monster. This year, he's hitting 511, six doubles and five home runs in 13 games. I mean, if you just average that out, he's on pace for at least 15 home runs. I mean, he's he's going to just be an absolute dude. I mean, the guy hits and he hits and he hits. He's my number one. I feel like we didn't give him enough love last year. That's changing this season. Number two, a guy that we have not mentioned enough this year, which is kind of surprising considering they've played like 96 games already, is uh, Arizona Christian shortstop Ramon Miranda. <laughs> yeah, Ramon they Miranda. Played they've played a ton, man. You know how much they've played? He has 125 at-bats this season, which is just absurd. He's hitting over 400, though. He's hitting 403. He has eight home runs, 15 doubles, and 39 RBIs. I mean, the guy's been solid. He's won G-side player of the week a couple of times. Really good player. Shortstop, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure. But shortstop is just so loaded this year with Miranda and Myers and Mattis and Gabe Howell. I mean, just so many good players, man. It's going to be really tough to – narrow that list down to one and then my third hitter man is going to be columbia outfielder dalton bilmer i remember a couple of years ago when he signed with columbia someone told us like hey this guy's a legit bat like columbia just got like a legit talent and he's lived up to it i mean he hit 440 last year with nine home runs before covid shut everything down i mean he was on pace to a monster season 
And this year, what is he doing? He's picked it right back up. He has five home runs. He's hitting 440 in nine games. I mean, they've won played nine games this year, Columbia has, and he already has five home runs. Uh, Dalton Bilmer is a legit bat, man. I mean, this guy's a 400-plus career hitter in the NEIA, and I think that he doesn't get the love he deserves, but he has been a big-time player for them. Those are my three hitters. We got Ramon Miranda at Arizona Christian, Rylan Kratzenberg at Ottawa, and outfielder at Columbia, Dalton Bilmer. So for my three hitters, uh, I'm going to lead things off with Jacob Klein at Shawnee State. 392 average, but this guy's got nine extra base hits, four home runs, 23 RBIs, and he gets on base a ton. He does everything right. He's one of the top RBI guys. He's up there on the list in RBIs, uh, guys that's competing in the nation, driving in a lot of runs. So Jacob Klein from Shawnee State is my leadoff is my leadoff guy in this category. So, you know, just an absolute big-time job for him. I'm going to go with Ike Brown out of Sterling next, hitting 538 with 21 hits. 11 extra base hits, four home runs, 26 RBIs. That does not include if he, you know, anything that he might have done today uh, in their game against McPherson. That's just his numbers leading into today. 538, 21 hits, 11 extra base hits, four home runs, 26 RBIs for Ike Brown. And then finally, Jaden Adams out of Concordia, Nebraska, 559 hitter with 19 hits, seven extra base hits, and 11 RBIs. There are some dudes out here doing some big-time things in the NAI. A lot of guys that are kind of flying under the radar and making good things happen. So congratulations, you know, for being named an under-the-radar star, at least in my mind and in Cody's mind, to Jacob Klein from Shawnee State, Ike Brown from Sterling, and Jaden Adams from Concordia, Nebraska. Cody, three pitchers, go for it. All right, my three pitchers, Clark starting pitcher Jacob Kerman. I mean, I know you know the name, man. He's been an NEI four-year guy. He's an absolute dude. 26 innings pitched, 104 ERA, 23 Ks this season. I mean, this is a guy that has 316 career innings in the NEI. He has a 3.00 ERA on the dot. Just been incredibly stellar. You know when you play Clark, you're going to get Jacob Kerman on the Friday night game, and he's going to be a dude. He's pitched against all the good teams in his career. He's thrown against Faulkner. He's thrown against Gwinnett. I mean, this guy has seen plenty of talent. And he just continues to produce for them. And I think he's under the rated, and he's one of the best pitchers in the country. Out of Ben U, Tyler Jacobson. This guy this year has been stellar. He's only had three starts because of the way their season's kind of broken up. But all three starts, he's went eight innings. He had a start go eight innings, two earned, and then he had back-to-back eight innings shutouts. So he's on a 16-inning scoreless streak right now, 0.75 ERA, and he's done it against really good competition. Been really impressed with Jacobson. And my third pitcher, man, is Southwestern Christian ace Victor Del Carmen. Four-year NAI guy that's just continuously getting better. 28-9 in his career. But check this out. Dating back to 2019, he's won 13 of his last 14 starts. He went 10-1 in 2019, uh, didn't pitch at all last year, came back this year, and he's 3-0 already. He's a big strikeout guy, too. He has 331 punchouts in 250 innings. I mean, the guy misses bats. He misses. I mean, he doesn't give up that many hits. Only 175 hits in 250 innings. Just a really good pitcher for Southwestern Christian. Yeah, so those are my three guys. I think Victor Del Carmen, Jacob Kerman, and Tyler Jacobson, three of the better arms in the country that many people don't know about. For myself, I have to give love to some of the bullpen guys because I love my bullpen guys. I'm going to kick things off with Valley City State out of North Dakota in Matthew Suda. 0.49 0.49 ERA in 18 and a third innings pitch, 12 strikeouts on the season, 
but he's holding opponents to just a 1.88 team average against him. He's a guy that's, you know, only allowed one earned run against him all season. Uh, he's started three games. He's come out of the pen for three games. You know, he's a versatile dude. He's going to do it all. Valley City State's pitcher, Matthew Suda. My second pitcher is going to be the University of Southwest out of New Mexico, Bo Sims, who has no ERA in five appearances. He started one game, pitched 12 and two-thirds innings, struck out 13, and has two saves. Uh, you know I'm, I'm, I really, really, really enjoy my bullpen guys. So Bo Sims out of the University of Southwest. And then Tristan Cummings out of Oakland City. Cody a 1.17 ERA in 26 and a third innings pitch. So 26 and a third innings pitch. He struck out 31. But the more impressive thing about Tristan Cummings from Oakland City is he hasn't walked anybody. And, I mean, that's really hard to do through 10 innings. Imagine doing it for 26 and a third. He's walked nobody. You know, when I looked up that stat and, and to see where he was, there's a lot of guys who have not walked anybody in four or five innings. There's nobody. Nobody. Who hasn't walked anybody in twenty six and a third, man? That's a that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, I mean that's really special, honestly. That is incredibly special. I mean, just to have that kind of control. Shout out to him, man. That's impressive stuff. Absolutely. So again, really quick shout out to Matthew Suda from Valley City State, North Dakota, University of Southwest pitcher Bo Sims, and then Oakland City pitcher Tristan Cummings, who are our under the radar stars, as named by Cody and Robbie over at NAI Ball. Cody, before we move on, we've already talked about the top 25 next week, a little bit of how it's going to work, how it overall works, and we'll dig into the conference ratings more when they come out next Monday with the poll coming out on Wednesday. We've talked under the radar stars. One thing I want to hit on really quickly is something that you said last week that makes so much sense that I think people around the nation don't realize is record does not equal ranking. I think that that is something that can go miles and miles and miles because I th- I think I hadn't you know I hadn't really heard that until you said it and and to me that made so much sense. I mean it's just it's true. I mean it's not a standing. I feel like people confuse the two between standings, which is win loss record. That's what a standing is, and then ranking, which is where you're appropriately ranked between other teams. You can literally that's what I was talking about. With, let's use Reinhardt for example. Reinhardt right now in conference is one in five you would think, oh, well, they're not one of the better AC teams. Well, that's just not true. <laughs> I mean, look who they played. They played Tennessee, Wesleyan, and Bryan, the top two teams in that conference. So I think that's where people, they see one and five in conference. Why are they ranked ahead of us? Well, you have to factor in who you played. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that because we know who we know who's who. There's nobody that watches more NAI baseball than, than you and I. This is all we do. This is our division. This is what we do. All day. I mean, we're we're doing this podcast. We're watching Azusa Pacific and Westmont play. Earlier today, I was watching, you know, McPherson and Sterling. I've seen Georgetown IU Kokomo. I've seen, a, I've checked in on a lot of different games today. This is what we do. We know who each team is. And so when you, you know, you use Reinhardt as an example. Yeah, are we going to punish Reinhardt for being one and five after playing the two best teams in the conference? No. You know, but at the same time, it comes down to the committee, and I think that the committee, Cody, we've we, you know we really know is one of the more informed processes you know that there is, and in, in the coaches poll 
And so really it just comes down to the coaches ranking the teams, how they see fit. So that, that's going to be the most interesting thing to me. But when it comes, when I say committee, Cody, that takes me to the our, our biggest subject, or at least the first time I'm going to really rail on it this year because I, I've done it every year and it's been such a high point of praise for me and it's going away. But our tournament format, man, our tournament format is is really going away. And I can understand a little bit of this year with COVID. That's that's a big issue. That is a worldwide global issue going on. It's not just affecting us here in the U.S. It's not just affecting you in Georgia or me in Texas or Florida or anything like that. It is a global issue. But as the years go on, at least for the next two to three years, we are going to have more and more a regionalized postseason format that more and more is going to mirror Division Two. Now, the good thing is, is that we're still going to have around 13 at-large bids. The bad thing is, is that, you know, in some of the things we've seen, there can be opening round tournaments with two to three at-large bids in them, and there are opening round tournaments with no at-large bids in them. This is one of the more perplexing things that I've seen as we talk with coaches, as we get to know what's going on around the nation, as we get to know how they feel about it. And for myself personally, Cody, I have said again and again and again in the four seasons that we've done this, we have the best baseball tournament sub D1 that there is. And I feel like What's happened here is national office has really kind of looked at it and gone, hey, this works for other sports. Why not do it in baseball too? And I don't know if it's a monetary thing with, with financials. I don't know if it's uh, let's try something different. I don't know if it's just we that, that, that there's no feeling with the national, you know, there's no heat check on what where the national pulse is for NAI baseball. I don't know what it is. But we have taken a route that's more D2, D3 than NAI. And it's, it's, it's not good for us. In the overall, the overall general feeling of it from somebody who cares about this division. I don't even have a, a college. The school I graduated from doesn't exist anymore. So, I mean, I love this league as a whole. And as somebody who cares about this league as a whole, we're taking a, a positive thing and, and going away. And my one gripe has been overall, my one gripe has been we, we have the ability to have a Division I style tournament, which is an incredible tournament. You know, I, I understand we don't do super regionals or anything like that but we have the ability to have every conference has one automatic bid and we make the best tournament possible. And then we have the best version of our final site possible. And I feel like we're getting further and further away from that, where we're going to have some regionals opening rounds that are better than the product that we could see at Lewiston. And I feel like this year that might not happen, but I feel that next year, it might be something that happens. And down the road, I feel like it could just get watered down even more. And that's not to take away from any single team around the nation that makes Lewiston. But if you get to Lewiston, you want to play the best. 
You want to compete the best. And even more so, us as a division, we want to have the best version of ourselves possible in Lewiston. And so while there's things that we've done well and things that we could have improved on, I feel like we just have taken a full step backwards in the tournament, the regionalized tournament format that we're taking. I know, you know, I don't particularly know how the committee overall feels on it. I know that there are certain coaches who, when this came out last year, and I mean, it was to the point to where we were in the Lewiston Tribune talking about it, but I know there, there are coaches, big coaches around the nation who have shots at Lewiston, who go to Lewiston on a regular basis. I mean, they might as well just take a, a summer vacation in Lewiston every year who are there constantly are like, this is bad. This is bad for us. If you look at who the last couple of national champions have been, and you include Lewis Clark in that, there has not been a national champion from outside of the Southeast since 2011. And the last team to do that, Concordia out of California. Before that, you have to go back to at least 2007 to find either a a matchup where either LC wasn't playing or there wasn't a team from the Southeast playing for a national title. And I believe in 2007, it was at least, uh, excuse me, where it was LC and somebody not from the Southeast. In 2007, it was Spring Arbor. So, you know... I just, I don't like the regionalized play format, Cody. I mean, you can tell how much it irks me. You can tell how much it bothers me. And I just feel like we're making decisions that are good for other sports, but what works for other sports doesn't work for baseball. You don't see NCAA Division One going, hey, you know what? This 64 team, 68 team, whatever, however many teams it is, uh, national basketball tournament that we do, that's single elimination, it's awesome. It's fantastic. Let's do it at baseball. You don't see that. And granted, financial situations are different. Team budgets are different. But they they put out the best version of their tournament possible. There's a reason why there's so many at-large bids. There's a reason why in the basketball tournament even, there's only one bid per conference. And everything else is, a, is an at-large bid. Because they want to get the best teams in. And I feel like we are moving further and further and further away from that to where we want to have you know, a, a more division two style regionalized tournament. And I, I could harp on it all day, Cody, but I, I want your thoughts. Well, I mean, I just don't like the slotted format. I don't like when you have where, you know, this team is going here before the season even plays out. Like that's just not how we've been about it. And I don't like it. You know, we spoke with a coach today who basically made the point that it would be better for them to not win their conference. Like it would make more sense, right? Isn't that what he was basically saying? It yep. would make more sense for them to finish number two in their conference, get an at-large, go somewhere in the Midwest, then to actually win their conference and then get sent two top 15 teams down here? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. How, how awful is that, 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 you, that you have to, as a coach, you have to think that, you know, my best opportunity is we drop these games. Like, I'm, it, it, I mean, we shouldn't have a tournament that's like that. No. And then, like, just we're going to use for an example. We'll use the example. I'll be the bad guy. Right now, so they say have they have like the Mid South number one going to Atlanta for the AII number one. Let's let's just call it what it is. That would be Gwinnett. They've won the AII every year every year since I've been following in the I baseball. You're basically telling me Cumberland's, who is going to be a number three team in the country, if they hold on and they win the Mid South, 
is going to have to go be in a regional with Gwinnett, who's the number four team in the country? Like, what sense does this make? What in the world? Right. Yeah, and then you're going to throw in two at-large teams, which we all know if you're an at-large team in the NAI opening round, you're a top 20 team in the country. Like, you're a top 20 team that didn't win a tournament. You didn't automatically qualify. So, I mean, you're going to have absolutely loaded regionals down south. It's like what you were harping on with D2, because that's how they do it in D2. I mean, you're going to get loaded regionals in D2, and I feel like it's it's not good, man. It's not good for the product in Lewiston. That's one thing about – I went to Lewiston twice, 2018 and 2019. I'll be very clear. One of the years was a lot better talent-wise than the other year. I mean, it wasn't that even that close. So I think you want to get the best product on the field. And I don't know that this is the best way to go about it. I mean, I do want to give credit to some of the coaches, like the coach we talked to earlier. I mean, like they, they're doing their best to make this a competitive bracket throughout. So they're going to do everything they can to switch things up and to fine-tune this because they're not just going to like get walked over and be like, oh, well, this is how basketball does it, so let's adapt. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it at all. I hate the slotted format. I don't like knowing, oh, well, the Mid-South number two is going to go here and the KCAC number one is going to go here. Like, I'm not a fan of that at all, and I'd imagine you're not either. I'm not. I'm not a fan of rewarding teams, you know, of rewarding. First off, I'm not a fan of rewarding conferences because you have more teams. The Sun Conference, you know my feelings on it. The Sun Conference to me, because I've seen it firsthand for multiple years, for four years, is some of the best baseball in the nation, subdivision one. It's a one-team conference. I, I, it's a two-bid conference, and we talk about it's it every the Association of Independence. Who doesn't even have – and, like, and, I, and I feel I can talk about this. No one knows AI baseball more than me. Like, I mean, I see the tournament in person every single year. It's a, I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke that it's a two-bid league. So in the, in the Sun Conference isn't. I mean, you have conferences that are like desperately trying to add teams just to get over that threshold. It's it's ridiculous. I, again, I I could just harp on the AII because you know, to me, as somebody who grew up watching University of Texas Pan American baseball, they hadn't been in a conference since the nineties, the the early nineties, and so they weren't going to get in to the national tournament in in NCAA Division One. As somebody who grew up around that program, they weren't going to get in. Because they were an independent program. There was they played the regular season schedule and that was it. And they were an independent team. They did not have a conference. But yet here we are giving the Association of Independent Institutions two bids in a league that's Georgia Gwinnett and everybody else. It's really Georgia Gwinnett and Talladega. I mean, is it and that's the crazy part? It's like then just say Georgia Gwinnett and Talladega. Because yeah. there's never been another team. There was one team, and it was Texas AM, Texas Arcana. I remember they were the runner-up one year uh, since I've been following, since 2014. There's been one year, and it was Texarkana, and they went to Montgomery one year. I remember they went to the Faulkner bracket. But other than that, and then they've since joined a conference. I mean, no one in the AII plays each other. Like, Gwinnett will play Edward Waters for a couple of games. Uh, They'll play Talladega every year, like a bunch of times. They're not making any trips. Nobody's making any trips to Fisher. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) No one's making trips. Everyone sees Fisher for the first time in May. And, like, that's what I'm saying. None of these teams, like College of Ozarks, they don't play Gwinnett. They don't play Edward Waters every year. They don't play Talladega every year. So I, I think it's really silly, man. And like you said, like, some of these conferences are getting bids, and it all comes down to the number of teams, and I just think that that's just kind of silly. No, it is. It is. And I, I think that's the first issue where you reward teams for the number of – you reward conferences for the number of teams that you have, and you give them bids based that way. 
and and you subtract how many at large bids we have. Then you may say a few years ago, you know, granted, you talk to them, they're going to say, hey, we blew it. We we held our future in our hands and we blew it because they lost the conference tournament. They did not get one of the two bids in the conference tournament in the Cal Pack. But then you kept a team that had 44 wins out of the tournament. It, it just it blows my mind to think that that we you know are are like this and we accept it and and then even worse we're getting further and further and further and further away from a format that was already good. If we have to keep this format and LC gets to go to the World Series every year, so be it, Cody. So be it. I give up. I give up. I concede. You know, hopefully it gets fixed, man. I think a lot of people see a lot of problems with it. Like you said, Lewis and Tribune even wrote an article about it last year because of the uproar. So I hope that they continue to address it. Knowing some of the the members of the committee, I, I can't see any of them being okay with it. And so I don't know if it comes down to a, a checks and balances thing. I don't know if it's an AD thing. I, I can't imagine knowing the ADs that I've known in my time in collegiate athletics and the ADs that I've gotten to know working in collegiate athletics or whether I was covering Kaiser or whether I was with ESPN at any level, I cannot imagine ADs not being in tune with the national forecast of what's going on around the nation. Uh, I can see, you know, this being approved by a board of presidents because how many university presidents are in tune with what's going on in the nation? They have, they have multiple campuses sometimes to keep up with. They have, you know, thousands of students in some places. Kaiser is the largest private school in the entire state of Florida. You know, it's it's one of those things that there's so much going on. How much do you have time do you have to keep up with things? So I, I just, we're going to hit on it again later in the year, but I just had to, you know, we had to say our displeasure with it immediately uh, because it is something that's coming. It's something that's going to take over our league and be a big part of our league because as great as the regular season is, the postseason is is the best, and and I you know we buy the World Series every year. Cody goes to the World Series for the last two years that we had full seasons. Uh, I love Lewiston, and I love this division, and I j- we just want to see this division flourish and prosper. It's it's not that we're you know we're not out here to rail against anything because we want to rail against anything. At the end of the day, this is what we've chosen to do with our free time. We don't get paid for this other than what Silverback Sports gives us for being the title sponsor. We dedicate a lot of free time to this to the point to where, you know, we've become the authority on this, the the people with the most knowledge on this across the nation. And we want to see the best version of NAI baseball out there. And I feel like we're we're getting further and further away from that. Cody, before I, I drop it and I let my blood cool down. Any final thoughts on, on the tournament format, man? Well, like I said, I just I hope that we spoke with the coach today. Like I said, you said they're trying to make some modifications to make it the best field possible. The coaches and the committee, they were kind of given this field and they got to make it work. So I just want to give a shout out to them and I hope that they continue to do the best they can to make this a competitive field and gives us the best field in Lewiston. Like I said, because like I can't harp on it enough. I've been to two World Series, and one of them looked different than the other. I hope that we make it where the 10 best teams are on that field at Harris Field. Shout out to the to the Raiders, the conference Raiders. Shout out to our selection committee, you know, the guys who put all of this together. Uh, of course, none of this happens w- without y'all, and, and it's such an integral part of our game. And I think I really do feel like, you know, the people that we know, we know who are all the, on these committees. Uh, we know most who most of the Raiders are. 
um, we, we feel like they have the best interest of the game in, in, in mind and, and at their hearts. And so shout out to them for everything that they do and everything that they put forward and the effort they put forward to keep up with us and, and, you know, what's going on in the game and, and listening to us and keeping an eye on the national, you know, the, the national heartbeat of the nation, because if you listen to this show, if you pay attention to what we're putting out there, all we're doing is basically telling you who the best teams in the nation are week in, week out. NAI Ball podcast hitter and pitcher of the week. Our hitter of the week is McPherson center fielder Chris Bettis, who went 10 for 17 with nine runs, two doubles, four home runs, 11 RBIs, and two stolen bases for McPherson. And our pitcher of the week is Blue Mountain starting pitcher Eli Jackson, seven and a third, one hit, no runs, and a new season high, 17 chairs thrown. 17 punch outs, Cody, man. Give me your thoughts on these two guys. Uh, Chris Perez actually ended his week with a four for four, three home run game. Actually, his fourth hit was a double, uh, tied the season high with 14 total bases. Just really incredible, incredible day for him, incredible week for him. He's been an incredible player. He's the McPherson leadoff hitter. He's the guy that gets it going for them. I mean, he's getting on base for those guys like Lux and Johnson to drive him in. So just a big-time player for him who's playing on one of the hottest teams in NAIA baseball right now. And for Eli Jackson, I was able to actually talk with Eli Jackson a little bit this week. He's a guy, man, that's from the left-hand side. He's a left-hander. He's going to throw 88 to 89. Uh, he's top 91 this spring. That was his top, and he's just really getting it done. He has a really good slider. He's got a really good changeup. He was just working fastball changeup against Williams Baptist, and he was just able to throw so many chairs. He had a – check this out, Robbie. He had a no-hitter, man. He was two strikes away from a no-hitter. He had two outs. He was literally two strikes away. The last batter got him was a pinch-hit single. The guy in the outfield had actually – had his glove on it, but the ball rolled out. It was a hit. I saw the play. But tough break, man. He was so close to a no-hitter. Just really an incredible performance by Eli Jackson. I mean, he has 26 strikeouts in 11 innings this season. That's really insane. 17 in one game. Yeah, I mean, this is really incredible. Uh, Bethel's coming off a series sweep over Campbellsville. And uh, in his outing against Bethel this year, he pitched three scoreless innings. He struck out eight of nine. I mean, he struck out eight of nine. I mean, the guy has serious punch-out stuff, um, so really impressive. And he's a guy kind of like, you know, like the Ben Harris and Colton Williams that I'm going to start box scoring, man, because it's really fun to see. Colton Williams pitches, and and I stop what I'm doing, and I watch. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of pitchers around, good pitching around the nation. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of pitching, and uh, Eli Jackson was totally impressive this week, just absolutely dominant. So congratulations to Blue Mountain starting pitcher Eli Jackson and McPherson center fielder. Chris Bettis. Cody, the games and series that you need to be watching this weekend and the series to watch around the nation are as follows, at least according to DAC stats, which we don't know. Our Lady of the Lake versus the University of Houston, Victoria. Cumberland, Tennessee versus Georgetown. Ben Mesa takes on St. Catherine in a big one in the Cal Pack. William Jessup versus Westmont. Columbia versus Northwestern Iowa. Cumberland's Kentucky takes on Bethel, Loyola, Lyon, Kaiser Southeastern, Indiana Wesleyan versus Mount Vernon Nazarene, Bryan, Tennessee Wesleyan, Mount Mercy versus Grandview, and Huntington versus Grace. Which of those stand out to you the most? Yeah, we're going to go Bryan, Tennessee Wesleyan. I mean, Bryan's going to get <laughs> yeah, Bryan's going to get the one two right back to back. This is going to be a. I think Bryan's going to move up. They played really well. I think Bryan will be a top fifteen team, honestly. Um, so I mean. And if they could take a game off Tennessee Wesleyan, which no one has done yet, and uh, I mean, this might be the last opportunity for someone to take a game off Tennessee Wesleyan. 
But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be a great series. And, you know, if they go out there and they can win the series and they hold strong, wouldn't that be something for them to steal a conference series? A couple here outside of the obvious. Uh, Brian versus Tennessee Wesleyan is the obvious one. That's that's the one that you need to be keeping an eye on because Brian can, you know, do some damage against Tennessee Wesleyan, but then Tennessee Wesleyan can really put some distance between them and everybody else. Uh, William Jessup, Westmont, both of those teams in the GSAC needing conference wins. Westmont, 4-4. Four and four. William Jessup, 4-4, four and four, both of them needing some wins. And then I'm going to go to the Mid-South here. Cumberland, Kentucky, and Bethel. Bethel is 5-1 and one in conference play right now. Cumberland's Kentucky is just about to open up their conference play. That's going to be a really interesting one for me. Uh, Kaiser Southeastern is going to be an interesting one because Kaiser, right now, what, by the time we're recording this podcast, I know they are playing a game. I'm not sure if they want or not. That, that matchup with Southeastern is going to be a big one if you want to be able to improve your conference rating there. So those are definitely quite a few to watch. I think, uh, you know, Mount Mercy and Grandview is going to be an interesting one as well because Mount Mercy has really come out and done some interesting things uh, to start the season here. So there's going to be a lot to watch, Cody, around the nation and uh, a, a lot to keep an eye on. Mount Mercy, you know, is, from what I know, at least 9-3 and three heading into this uh, with Grandview. So quite a few games around the nation to watch and keep an eye on. Of course, there's always going to be a ton of NAI baseball that you need to be watching, and you should be watching every single weekend. Cody, our first Silverback Sports Big Series of the week, it's going to be Oklahoma City University versus LSU Shreveport. OCU 10-7 and seven, with a 311 team average of 442 Team ERA, Dalton Reed has been fantastic. 426, 23 hits, 9 home runs, 22 RBIs. Cross factor, 417 team average, 25 hits, 12 extra base hits, 22 RBIs. This was a team that I love to watch on offense. Offensively, they are always dominant. On the mound, they've had some struggles. They've lost some games that they I, I feel that they shouldn't have. But Tanner Sparks has been a bright spot for them with a 188 ERA and a 4-0 record, 24 innings pitched, 34 strikeouts. For LSUS, Five and three. They're playing Division Three Centenary on Wednesday. They have a 326 team average, a 633 team ERA. Cody Cole, 500 average, 14 hits, 11 RBIs. Carlos Pinheiro, 455 average, 10 hits, 8 RBIs. And then Josh Fortenberry with a 1.04 ERA, a 2 and 0 record, 8 and 2 thirds, and 14 strikeouts. Cody, Oklahoma City versus LSU Shreveport. It's a big one and big opportunity for OCU. Well, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely massive for Oklahoma City, I feel, because I mean, if they don't have a good showing this weekend, you'd think they're going to fall out of that pole. And they're going to play a team that hasn't played in a couple of weeks. You know, I mean, Shreveport's been off with COVID, so it's really going to be a good time series between two of the better teams in the country, two of the teams that came into the country ranked really highly. Looking at the all-time series record, Shreveport leads all-time series 7-4. to four. They actually won the last two times they played back in 2016. Uh, I feel like this is a big one, man. I feel this was made on the fly. This wasn't like scheduled for some long time they put this together literally earlier this week so i'm looking forward to it though it's gonna be four games in shreveport like i said i think this is big for oklahoma city if they're gonna be ranked next week they need to go out there and at least split it's four games head they need to take at least a couple because i mean to be 10 and 7 right now and to have some questionable losses on their resume you know be honest the frustrating part is they're so talented i mean you mentioned cross factor and dalton reed uh cross factor oklahoma state transfer uh, Dalton Reed at University of Kentucky transfer. I mean, these are super talented guys. So it's kind of crazy to see them at 10 and 7 right now. 
and just kind of like last year too. I mean, just pitching wise on the mound, man, they just have not been able to get it done yet. And they're going up against a really good offense in Shreveport that, as you know, they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, that's a team that can really hit the home runs. So I'm just looking forward to seeing it. Cross factor, Cody was my pick for player of the year. And he's he's playing very well. He is playing extremely well for Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, he's doing some some really good things for OCU. I mean, he's hitting well over 400. He's got 12 extra base hits. He's one of the best players in the nation in, for hitting doubles. Uh, it's just one of those things that they, they haven't seemed to put it all together yet because this is a team that we are so used to being so talented and so, you know, so much overall talent in you know in their conference. We're, we're just so used to them being good. I, I played in the Sooner Athletic and against OCU for three years. I know how good OCU is, and so it's one of those things that it, they're just they haven't lived up to what what we thought. And you know, I, I get that there's some circumstances behind that. You know, and that obviously they've they've lost some games that they shouldn't have, at least in in both of our opinions. But it's going to be a big one. I mean, they have a huge opportunity against LSU Shreveport to, to do that against a really good Shreveport team. Moving on here to our Silverback Sports, the big one, the big series of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, 14-1 and McPherson coming off a win versus Sterling today against 10-5 and Ottawa. This, Cody, has a lot of KCAC implications. Ottawa's 4-0 in the KCAC. McPherson is 4-1. Of course, we've got we talked earlier about Oklahoma Wesleyan waiting in the wings at 13-2, 1-0 in conference. This is going to be a huge series for both of these clubs who are on the come up. McPherson has made some great strides over the years, and for the last two years, they've really hit their stride and are trying to make this year the year that they are competitive at a bigger level. Ottawa, Gabe Grinder on the come up as well, doing some special things out there. It's going to be a really interesting one. McPherson will lead off with them 14 and 1. They are outscoring their opponents by a huge amount, just about almost 100 runs, a 377 team average, 5.78 team ERA. Trevor Johnson entering Tuesday with a 518 average, five home runs, 27 RBIs. Kyle Lux, 396 average, 19 hits, four home runs, 16 RBIs. And then Alex Escobar on the mound with a 152 average 4-0 record, 23 and two-thirds innings pitched, 18 strikeouts. For Ottawa, they're 10-5. and five. They dropped some games today to Missouri Valley. 337 team average entering Tuesday with a 316 team ERA. Ryland Krastenberg has been fantastic. I mean, just absolutely fantastic. He's a guy that, that's just been incredible. But another guy to watch is going to be Matthew Aguilar, who is hitting 353, eight extra base hits, and 11 RBIs and then Steven Norell. I mean, you have to mention him. One four six ERA, two and zero record, twenty four and two thirds innings pitched, twenty four punch outs has been really really good this year as well. Cody, this is going to be a really interesting series in the KCAC, and I think it's going to have a, a really a huge impact on the way the standings go in what has become more of a GSAC field type conference to it. In the fact of everybody's really close to each other, or at least that there's five or six teams really close to each other in the standings. Yeah, man, this is a massive series in the KCAC. Uh, these two met, I want to say they were like, I don't know if they were our big series last year or not, but I think it was close to being one. And uh, it was a, they were both coming in really hot last year. And Ottawa actually swept them. 
Like McPherson was like 16 and four and Ottawa swept them. And it was really impressive. Ottawa swept them on the road. That was last year in Kansas, or I guess they're both in Kansas, but last year at McPherson, <laughs> yeah, like last year at McPherson and uh, really impressive stuff. I mean, it kind of really surprised me, honestly, two of those games last year were one run games. They were close games. So um, the other one was a beat down there one by 10, but this year, you know, Ottawa leads all time series, 23 to 13. McPherson's coming in here 14 and one. If they sweep or they win this year, you would think I'm mean, 16 and two, 17 and one, they're going to be in the top 25. I mean, I know we don't like to do the record thing, but I think with McPherson, you have all Americans on your team. You got some pedigree that kind of remind me of central Methodist a little bit, but just some real standout names. I mean, Trevor Johnson's the premier catcher in the baseball the last two years. Well, I don't yeah. think there's any fans or butts. I mean, the guy hit 484 or something like that last year, and he's hitting 500 this season. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just really incredible. Kyle Lux is obviously one of the best players in the country. And then we talked about him earlier today. You know, Kratzenberg Otto is one of the best players in the country too. So it's going to be some really – I bet the offense is going to be – the ball is going to be flying. I think it's going to be a high-scoring series. I think it's going to be a competitive series. I don't think anyone's going to sweep. And I think it's big, man. Ottawa was on a 10-game winning streak entering today. Now, they did drop a doubleheader today. But, you know, it's a midweek doubleheader, and, you know, they're trying to save all their arms mm-hmm. for McPherson this weekend. So I wouldn't read too much into that. You know, this is a team that was winners of 10-10. and 10, So big-time matchup, man. McPherson, like you said, coming in 14-1, and one, they want the respect. Uh, you know, just so good offensively. I'm really looking forward to this one, man. I don't know how it's going to play out, but – Without there being a clear front runner in the KCAC, this is a big one. Yeah, there, there's until Oklahoma Wesleyan gets more KCAC games under their belt. This is the biggest series there is in that conference because you've got two teams who are one four and zero, one four and one, getting ready to play each other. It's going to be a really, really interesting way that this one uh, works out. I know that there might be some weather issues. We're really hoping that they get this one in. They have to play. I mean, listen, guys, you have to play. I know you listen out there in Kansas. You have to play. Find a way. I know it's real easy for us to say here. We don't have to load up on a bus or anything like that. But, I mean, this is one that that we want to see because it's going to to help shape the way that the national uh, ratings and rankings look a little bit. So definitely, definitely, definitely going to be interesting. Cody, before we sign off for the night, Sunday is selection. Sunday. It is selection Sunday for the NCAA basketball tournament and our yearly tournament challenge is back. You can sign up right now on ESPN tournament challenge, search the group NAI ball, NAI all caps ball, capital B A L L. So B is the only letter capitalized in there. NAI ball join the group. You put your name, your first name at least, first name, last name would probably be better, but first name at least, and what school you go to. If you're a fan, put that school. If you're a coach and you want to put your alma mater, put your alma mater if it's an NAI program. If you're a coach at at, at a school and you want to put that school, put that school. But put your NAI school on there, put your name, and the winner we're going to give – a shout out on the podcast. And we're also going to create a pretty nifty little graphic for you that we will have in turn do as well. So Cody, the tournament challenge is back. We didn't get to play it out last year. Obviously uh, COVID canceled everything, but March Madness is fully here. Uh, You and I are a little bit more invested in it than normal because Alabama and Texas are better than normal. So uh, it's it's going to be really interesting, man. I, I'm I'm excited to get some you know NCAA tournament games in. 
Um, I love college basketball as somebody who spent a lot of time with Rolly Massimino at the Kaiser program. I mean, Rolly Massimino won a national championship in 1985 as the head coach of the Villanova Wildcats. He was the head coach at Kaiser until he passed. Um, you know, I love college basketball. I grew up around college basketball as well. And at Texas Pan American, uh, it's going to be really, really awesome. I'm super excited for it. And then we're invested in it a little more than normal because uh, the last time we had a full tournament, I don't think Alabama made it and Texas was in the NIT. <laughs> so we're, we're a little you know, bit more I, invested. I am a two-year college basketball fan now since we hired Nate Oates. Uh, I am now a college basketball fan with Alabama being a huge basketball school that we are. And, uh, yeah, man, real tied. I think that Alabama is going to win it all. <laughs> you see, and I, I feel differently. I, I might not pick Texas, but I, I will definitely have a bracket that Texas wins it all. Uh, I know. Alabama's not going to win the national championship. <laughs> hey, man, I'm still riding high off football. I don't care, baby. We beat the Buckeyes. I don't care. <laughs> save us, Steve Sarkeesian. Save, save, save us. Oh, um, man. My hemp back. Anyway, moving <laughs> I'm, I'm – I don't know. All I know is that in a, in a few months, uh, you know, hopefully everything continues to to trend upwards here and, and everybody stays good and everything goes, goes normally. And uh, the old man and I will be making a trip to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas this year. And I'm super excited about taking him there just because of, um, you know, he fell in love with, with college football and Texas football in 1969 uh, where the horns won a national championship and, and uh, James street's the greatest UT quarterback of all time, winning a couple national titles. And, uh, of course, Vince Young, the great Vince Young is second. So uh, I'm super excited about that opportunity and, and being a UT season ticket holder. In a few years, Cody, you might have to make a trip down to Austin, actually, in, in a year. So uh, with Alabama coming to town. Yeah, they do come to town next year. It's true. Not this – I mean, obviously not this year. But, yeah, right. next year they do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Texas will be – you know, able to stay within 35. <laughs> oh, I think we're going to win by 35, but don't hold me to that. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the cool thing about, you know, growing up and, and having my dad here with me is is uh, we're already making plans to go to Tuscaloosa uh, with the traveling party. We're making plans to go to the Horseshoe in a few years, uh, to go to Ann Arbor, so there's there's a lot a lot of trips. I think we're going to be making one out to uh, Athens as well. You know, I, I don't know if that's like 2032 or what. They they schedule college football so far down the line, man. But uh, you know, that's that's the best thing is is you know really you know you're anybody who follows you on Facebook knows that you're a diehard Alabama guy. Anybody who follows me anywhere knows that I'm a diehard UT guy. And uh, that's the best thing is we have we have that. You know, and and then we have this. We have NAI baseball, and we we love them. Uh, you know, just a ton, and and we want to see this. That like Texas and Alabama, or Texas has a game scheduled for twenty thirty two, and here in the NAI, like we have like my guy Brad Neffendorf calling people on a Tuesday. He's like, "Hey, you want to play tomorrow?" <laughs> it's, like, it's just like incredible. It is insane. It is insane. So, uh, but that's the best thing is we just want to see the best version of this division possible and and uh you know going back to the tournament we're getting further and further away from that but i digress we'll let it go for today we're back at it though the closer we get to postseason we'll continue to harp on it as things continue to develop it it's inevitable 
the way it's going to be. We're going to we're going to keep talking about it because that's what we do here. We want to see the best of everything. We want you to have the best of everything. You listening at home, whether you're a coach, player, fan, mom, dad, whoever you are, we want to give the best coverage and allow the best of everything for the NAI. So that'll do it for us this week. Season four, episode seven. Until next time, for Cody Butler, who you can follow at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram for all of your new sports and information on NAI Baseball 24-7, 365 days a year. And for myself, Robbie Gutierrez, the host of the NAI Ball podcast, at RobG1063, if you want to follow me as well and talk some NAI Baseball. We thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow. Tomorrow.